To survive or thrive, how does a flagship restaurant which anchors Little India in Toronto overcome the challenges of COVID? Join me as I speak with the heart of the business, Gulshan Alibai. We're here at La Hortica House, 1365 Gerard Street West in the upstairs floor. And you can see that it is so wonderful and so beautiful. And the tiles are so special. They're imported from Italy, right? Yes, they are. And I'm here with the famous <laughs> Gulshan Alibai, um, who is, you know, the face of La Hortica. And I wanted to take a moment because she is drinking a special tea. And, you know, if you can talk about the tea that you're drinking... Tell me all about it. Well, it's masala chai and it's got beautiful cream in it um, with lemongrass, uh, which I think is a secret ingredient. Yeah, like giving it away though, lemongrass. So it's infused with lemongrass and then it's got like cinnamon and it's got um, uh, cardamom in it um, and fresh ginger. And then it all comes to a beautiful boil. And it's just very aromatic more than anything. It's so yeah. comforting yeah. too. Like mm -hmm. chai is like my favorite mm -hmm. um, tea. And, mm -hmm. you know, in speaking with different people here, when I say, hey, what's your favorite tea? And they're like chai and a chai latte. And I'm like, okay, like, let me, let me make you real chai. Right. Which is, you know, I, I was going to, I thought about bringing something to boil it and make it so that people could see how it's done. But uh, now you give away we'll like to do that secret. one time. And what I, what I, I think is so important to note is actually Starbucks kind of um, did the cultural appropriation of the actual chai. Totally. <laughs> the Indian chai masala, right? It's cultural appropriation. And, then, and I know I hate the fact that they call it a latte, like a chai latte, but it's just, it's chai. Yeah, it's just chai. And yeah. it's really on point. Yeah. I mean, a part of, you know, you've kind of like hit the nail on the head there. And one of the things that I really wanted to speak with you is you have a famous establishment that was made through hard work. I mean, your story, and I'd love you to talk about it um, when you introduce yourself, but you've created a wonderful establishment that has been an anchor for Little India, right? In this Gerard between Coxwell and Greenwood. And it takes a lot of work and there's been a lot of challenges over the past, like especially during COVID and all that stuff. But so before we jump into that, if you don't mind to indulge me by just introducing yourself. So my name is Gulshan Alivai, and I am um, the social entrepreneur of Lohartika House here in Little India. Yeah. And I think also the other thing I would say is that you're someone who I see you as like a social justice warrior. You know, you are a social worker by trade. You kind of inherited this like being an entrepreneur, being a restaurateur was not a part of your, your, your fabric of, of your professionalism. But then when your husband unfortunately passed away, mom of two kids, mm -hmm. and there's a lot leaning on you with this establishment. I mean, this establishment is in movies. This is, you know, like it's a centerpiece when people like, even when you think about Toronto life and they're like, oh, when you go to Toronto, where do you have to go mm -hmm. eat? Mm -hmm. You got to go to La Hortica house. Right. And 
you know, there's a lot there and, and, and knowing you and working with you and having, you know, your trust to represent you here has been such a great like relationship and experience because when I see you and I see how you talk about your social consciousness of, you know, how you create space, like you have this establishment, we've got 3,500 square feet up here and we, you know, pre-COVID, this is your overflow. This is where everybody would come who couldn't fit downstairs, which is almost 4,000 square feet of space. And it was super busy. But then COVID happened and the model of restaurants changed overnight. Can you talk a little bit about that challenge? Yeah, I can just tell you that, you know, when we talk about Darwin, Darwinism and adaptation. I think that's what really I've gone through in the last three years. I've yeah. had to adapt to every situation, um, you know, from, from, you know, where we began. We've always been a family restaurant and it's always been about the noise and the big families and the birthdays. And it's always been about coming in and eating in this special place that, you know, takes one back to their, you know, um, nostalgia, you know, of back home in Pakistan, India, and the South Asian dies, you know, South Asian uh, countries. And then all of a sudden we had to pivot, um, you know, to completely take out, right? And take out was never our big thing. I didn't even have Uber or DoorDash or skip the dishes or ritual or any of that. That was all very alien. Um, it was always about coming in, sitting down and eating and breaking bread with, you know, breaking naan, I guess, with your, with your family and friends. Um, so yeah, we had to pivot completely around um, and and go to to takeout, which we never did. So I was like in shock. Firstly, so my first reaction was I had to close down the restaurant. So we were actually closed for six weeks because we had to just kind of really wrap our head about around something that we've never been able to do is you know completely go to a takeout model. But I think what was really hard for me more than anything is having to lay off staff. Because okay. the staff are my, my, I, you know, it's very um, uh, maternal for me. Like, I've always run this restaurant um, as, a, this is a family. I tried the corporate kind of way of running it, like the Western corporate way. But yeah. in the end, I came around and like, okay, these are all my bachas. These are all my children. And, um, you know, um, having them, having, and a lot of them are international students. So a lot of them you know, having to apply for CERB and doing all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, it was really, really difficult. So I think that was really heartbreaking for me when I had to lay off all my staff. Yeah. Knowing that they had to pay their international fees. And, you know, that was a lot of stress at that time. Yeah. So um, this restaurant now has been running for 26 years. Um, my husband owner started this with five dollars in his pocket. And the reason why he he came to Little India is because there was social capital here. Um, he was a refugee from Uganda, went to England and, you know, it was uncle, you know, here and this uncle there and that uncle that gave him, you know, his um, his raw ingredients as, you know, with vegetables without having any credit line and also having, um, you know, from the butcher here on Gerard Street, you know, giving him his chicken tikka to marinate, you know, without having to pay him right away, getting all his masalas from another uncle and he would have never been able to succeed as he did if it wasn't for the social capital in Little India. And that's why he came here. No bank was going to give him a loan, right? Um, yeah. Especially coming as a refugee and an immigrant and especially being a person of color, right? Um, yeah. So that was a big thing. So 
Lohartika House had very humble be um, belongings. And people would ask us, like, why did you guys have plastic plates for so long? But the truth was, we had plastic plates because he couldn't afford a dishwasher, <laughs> like an actual dishwasher. Nobody, he didn't have any credit. So even if he went to one of those, um, you know, uh, commercial dishwasher places, they wouldn't put a dishwasher in here because he didn't have any capital. Right. right? So, so that's why he had to go to Food Basics every weekend. Him and I would go in his little red Honda and we'd fill up the car with... Um, with drinks, we're halal, but it was all like um, Coke and stuff like that. Even Coca-Cola wouldn't come in here and deliver Coke because he didn't have any social capital. So it would be, that's why we still have the cans till today. We don't have the fountain drinks. Wow. <laughs> because it's a testament to, you know, um, going to Food Basics and filling up his car with um, plastic cutlery, plastic plates, because he, he couldn't, you know afford the infrastructure one needed um, to start off a restaurant like you would probably see at places like the keg and McDonald's and yeah. um, Subway and all of those places they have the capital the social capital so it was really um, it had to happen in little India yeah it was the community that came it together. was a community the social capital in this community yeah. I mean and and you know, when you when you speak about this happening, I mean, this is what, like 20, 30 years yeah, ago? Yeah, so in 19, he started actually here in 1994 and he had a little small little place in the corner. And then it started kind of busting at the seams. And he actually subleased the building here, which was, I think, I believe a Dairy Queen. Oh, and he wow. subleased the Dairy Queen. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, I think about fast forward now, we have a housing crisis Right. We have um, people who are like housing affordability feel so out of reach if they didn't come from a certain time. And people saying, well, I guess the time I should have bought was 10 years ago. And on my, you know, humble income, I can't afford anything. And it's sort of one of these things where the story that you tell feels like, oh, that's a fairy tale of rags to riches type of story through hard work and adversity. But I think one thing you know, that you demonstrate, I think, in all the choices and the conversations that we've had is through a lot of hard work, determination, community coming together. I know that you have a very strong, um, you know, belief and determination to keep Gerard Street alive, to, to help keep it vibrant, right? Because we see a lot of gentrification. We see this happening all over Toronto, right? Like, I mean, to be able to live in this community now requires people with double incomes of at least six figures, right? And yet I love Gerard Square because my parents are from India. Right. And so when I was a kid growing up, my father would come down here so that he could get, you know, the pani puris, that he could get the food. And, and it was a family like they would actually go and watch the Indian cinemas, right? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, and, and that mm -hmm. was a big deal. I was like, okay, we're in this, like, you know, which is the theater that's, I guess, rep now. And, and it was like a big part. And to see this still alive is so important, but we also see slowly, we see this happening in different cultural enclaves or heritage communities like China, um, Chinatown and Gerard's um, just, you know, further East near Broadview, we see it slowly being gentrified, right? As, as, um, the original pe people who created the communities are older and they're retiring. And now you have fancy coffee shops, fancy chocolate shops that are popping up, taking over. Rents are higher, especially from a commercial perspective. And I see you trying to protect this space. 
Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I, I did a TED talk about this where we have to really kind of protect ethnic communities, right? Like just not heritage buildings, but that was the, the title of my TED talk. But COVID hit and everything kind of went wayside, right? And, um, you know, the property prices, you know, they've still remained very, very high. Um, and what I'm really grappling with is before COVID, we were able to fill up the space, right? We had a second story that we're in here right now in this space. We have the tent, but, you know, we have not been able to, after COVID, fill up the space anymore. So now I've got all the space paying like 90, I think it's $85,000 property taxes. And, you know, I've gone and really advocated, um, you know, with city councilors, right? But, you know, it's just, it's slack, right? Like, you know, they're not going to want to do a thing to the point that I even went and said, okay, well, convert this into like maybe a shelter because the city needs shelters. At least that's yeah. better than give it, giving it over to developers, right? Yeah. But another big problem we have is like parking here as well. People like even to rent out the space, the first thing that comes out of people's mouth is, well, where are, where are our guests going to park, right? Like even if you wanted to have a banquet up here for like a wedding banquet, for there's 200, 250 people, there's no parking, right? So we're, we're strapped that way. So it's never going to um, be, you know, people are going to go to Brampton to the big banquet halls there because it's got the parking, right? Right. Um, like we're in the city of Toronto, but I'm, I think now I'm at a point where I've done as much as I can and, you know, I'll try to stay alive and be in Little India because I believe it's, it's, it's so important to be in Little India because First of all, nostalgia. Second, it brings cultures together because people come from everywhere, you know, all over the world and they really feel at home. But every day it's harder and harder because everything is increasing in yeah. terms of food prices, um, inflation, what inflation's done post-COVID, yeah. um, you know, property taxes. And, and just it's a restaurant and it, it's just not making it anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, my dream would be to stay here and continue. Um, but it's just economically it's just not making sense anymore. And I think this is something, you know, that is really important to address. And it comes down to, you said, you mentioned like trying to reach out to counselors. And I think in a conversation previous that I've had with other folks, knowing how the system works is about advocacy and having people listen, but it's also the political will of ensuring that people are um, aware and attuned to the fact that, oh, you're big business. You're, I mean, they see this is a large building, a successful building that's got this history and this legacy because you can't say Little India without La Hortica in being in the same breath. Like this mm -hmm. defines it mm -hmm. and people make assumptions. And I think COVID really, as you mentioned, turn things around and you know when we put this up to lease for the upstairs floor and in the basement area um a lot of people are like oh what's happening right and i think this is really important as a call to action support local right when you're ordering food think about how important it is to support your local restaurant and not make assumptions and to take the time to be mindful of the fact that when you order from something in your community and what you're thinking, it makes a huge difference. Right. And so even upstairs here, as we reimagine the space, because you're you're in many ways, the restaurant model business, the restaurant model has changed to more takeout. So you don't mm -hmm. need mm -hmm. as much mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. but you can serve more people. Right. But 
this space, I think, could be really great for daycare. It could be really great for, I mean, yoga. Like, I mean, it could be used in so many different ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, so that mm-hmm. continues legacy. And, and one of the things that I want to speak to was in your profession, in your background as a social worker, you have also tried to apply that entrepreneurship and lens into the different boards that you're sitting on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that that journey hasn't always been easy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, and I think when people see you and they see you as the face, like you are like, you know, you say, Oh, I'm treat. This is a business run as a family model. And all my staff are like my bachas. They're Mm -hmm, my kids. mm -hmm. Um, But that, you're very matriarchal, like you're very caring, but you've also had to be a fighter. Definitely. And after when Elner passed away, it was even, it was just the, who are you? Like the community was just like, you don't speak our language. Cause I was uh, more or less brought up here. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have an accent. I don't, you know, um, culturally I'm, I'm probably more integrated. Right. So there were like, you know, we want him back. And, you know, it was, uh, and there was, it was a very much of a big boys club here, even in the restaurant in terms of staff. Right. Right. And a lot of them, it was really hard for them to take direction from a woman. So I had to kind of deal with all the patriarchal, um, you know, t- and topple the patriarchal structures that were so, so part of not only just my staff, some of my staff who left because they couldn't take direction from women, but also in terms of some of the South Asian community. Right. Um, I'm not Muslim enough. I'm not uh, man enough. You know, I'm not Desi enough. Right. Um, So I had to kind of go through a lot of that as well. Yeah. Um, So that was really difficult, too, because it was almost like backlash. You know, for first, there's already one backlash, um, you know, just in terms of um, uh, being in an ethnic enclave. Right. And and um, and then the other one is in terms of the own community, not accepting you for who you are, right? Um, um, South Asian Canadian, right? And, and and again, not being Muslim enough, right? That was, that was yeah. really difficult. Um, and then on top of that, being a single mother. And like, I remember my husband used to be able to keep the restaurant open until two in the morning. And I remember a customer came in and, and they're like, were yelling at me and saying, you know, you effing whatever, why, why can't you leave the restaurant open until two in the morning? Like, why, like, why are you closing the restaurant at 1030? And I just looked at them, I go, because I've got two kids at home who have just lost their father and I'm a single mother and they come first. Right. And it was like, I had to explain that there was no like empathy or anything. Um, that was really, really, really a difficult pill to swallow in those days. Like there was no, like now you're single mother and you're also running a restaurant. They still, yeah. And, and so I just decided I'm going to run it bullshit's way. I'm going to run it my way. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to carve out what I need, you know, and I know with a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurs, it's always the, the customer's right. But I've really kind of taken a step back from that. And I've said, what, what works for me and my family and yeah. my staff? And I think that actually helps redefine, right? Like, I think we're in a period in society where people are trying to figure out what is the role. And I mean, when we talk about genderized roles and breaking a lot of stereotypes and breaking it down and redefining it it's it takes a lot of courage like that's something that has come mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. many times um to be able to say well 
no, this is what's going to work for me. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, I can't lean on this. And yeah. I mean, there have been times when I've been here when I've experienced like people who are just, you know, I, I think, I don't know, COVID somehow also people lost a bit of social skills and an awareness of like how to, to how to be kind to each other. Like mm-hmm. it's, and, mm-hmm. and it's very uh, me, 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 me type of thing. And, and, you know, like, and it's just, I see you as someone who's, always so generous and willing to open your heart. I mean, your background is social work. You're always concerned about mental health. I mean, even one of the things that I know you do, you have international students here and you, and I know this, so many international students come to Canada because they want to, the Canadian dream, they come and they want to become Canadians, right? And we've got a federal mandate to have over like 450,000 immigrants coming annually, right? Um, to become PR. And you actually help them do that. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I mean, it's, it's a two-way process, right? They help me and I always want to be able to give back for their loyalty. And, you know, um, you know, also in terms of like, you know, what they do for La Hortica House, right? I mean, it's, it's their dedication. It's them working here. It's their, um, you know, giving their energy and time here as well, right? So I think it's a two-way process, right? Yeah. It has to work both ways. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to share that because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people may just see La Hortica House and they hear, oh, yeah, it's like this famous place. And, you know, and they'll know mm-hmm. you as the matriarch and the face of it and what you've done. But I think that in all the choices and decisions that you make, you're always so thoughtful about I appreciate you standing with me. I appreciate mm-hmm. you being mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and I want to reward you. So mm-hmm. listen, if you're ever looking for a job, look at <laughs> no House is a place to come because yeah. this is a place that takes you in like family. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen, and I've seen, I mean, we were having lunch one time mm-hmm. and someone who was here and you helped that person yeah. find space yeah. and identity. And, and I, you know, there's something I think as a human how fulfilling that is, mm-hmm. right? That you've touched It really people. is. And, and, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. As I said, you know, everyone, when, you know, I, I, I made it the way that I can live with myself and I made it the way that I can actually find an um, existential meaning in, in how I do it. And, you know, there are a lot of people like, oh, yeah, but, you know, um, like, especially on the street as well, because we have some really amazing entrepreneurs, yeah. but, you know, it's, um, it's profits, the bottom line, but for me, I've never, um, my, my heart, like, I mean, my head's always never, you know, in terms of my heart space, right? Like yeah. my head space has always been very different. It has um, been for sure. Yeah. And it, and it's ruled by my heart space. Right. So for me, it's not, it's profits is not the bottom line. Right. Yeah. And, and so a lot of, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs on the street, like she closes so early and, you know, she lets like there was a shelter here on the street, a red door shelter, and allowed them to have free space here to have their parties and stuff. Didn't charge them anything. Um, you know, we would give meals to them for the new refugees that came in. Right. Uh, and for me, it was just it was just natural. Like I, yeah. I, I couldn't have done it any other way. And there's, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's all about making money. Right. But I just I can't. My head doesn't go there. No, and I totally see that because, I mean, we have had, you know, one thing is we've had people interested in this space for particular whatever uses. And it truly has been about fit. And you have always 
approached it with, how does this help the community? Can you, exactly. Like you're not like, no, like you, we could have rented it to whoever, but you're like, mm, mm -hmm. I don't, if I rent it to these people, it'll impact someone else. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I do see that I, if, to keep community, I, I think there needs to be a safe space to have your kids, you know, um, you know, there's no childcare in this area. There's no like pharmacies, drugstores yeah. in this area, right? People have to go all the way down to the Danforth or go down to Queen, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I would love to continue the legacy here in terms of um, being in little India, but it's just like, it's now it's survival. Like I yeah. can't even run it anymore because right. it just, you know, um, it doesn't make business, not, not business sense in terms of profits, but it, you know, it, it's, it's just, you're not, you're not going to be able to survive. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that a part of why I wanted to, talk to you and celebrate you is because when we think about how community is created, mm -hmm. creating space, mm -hmm. holding space and being thoughtful. Like, I mean, I know even on your menu, mm -hmm. there's certain things that you will like, Oh, I could do that, mm -hmm. but I won't because it takes away from so-and-so yes, down the street. Definitely. And I just don't know if everybody recognizes yeah. your compassion yeah. for taking care of, of the your community. neighbor. Yeah. And that is really true. Like, you know, I mean, what happened is, uh, um, I mean, yes, I started closing earlier, but it actually had a really positive impact on the street because a lot of the mom and pop places, the smaller ones are open till two, three in the morning and they're doing really, really well. Right. If I yeah. had been open till three and I continued that model, they wouldn't have been thriving, but they're thriving because we closed down and then everybody wants the late night place. Right. Yeah. And it's not us anymore, which, you know, yeah. for me, you know, it, it's very positive for the street we don't sell a lot of the same foods that the other um, individuals um, sell on the street. So everybody gets business and everybody survives. And that's the only way this community will survive. It's synergy, right? We got to work together. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, that's what I think is so inspirational because when we think about leadership and I think leadership matters, right? Mm -hmm. And you lead with your heart. And I think this is why, like when you're here, Every time I see her, people are so happy to see you and, and they see that. I mean, I think there's mm -hmm. definitely an affinity and, you know, in, in many ways, the legacy is not just Alner, it's you. Mm, and it's you. also the heart that you lead with. Right. Mm. And, and I really believe strongly that we kind of attract mm. like that energy. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted you to share that story Yeah, because that mindfulness of like, even when you did your Ted talk and you said, Oh, how do we maintain heritage communities? How mm -hmm. do we, how do we support? It's not heritage buildings, but communities. I see this. We've got, um, you know, I mentioned mm -hmm. little China, like, like Greek town, right? Yeah. Like all these enclaves that have kind of changed over the yeah. many years yeah. and yeah. It, it looks different and people move out, but it's still kind of the heart yeah, it's of the heart Toronto. Of the, it's the heart of the city. Right? Like as we diversify, yeah. I mean, Toronto's the best place to visit for food yeah, alone. You got to exactly. base your travels yeah, based on food. food. And, and you can go everywhere and anywhere, but I think we have to be intentional about that. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just, I just really want to celebrate your story you. and, and your leadership and how you've had to overcome a lot, right? Mm. Like you're a strong person, a strong woman, but it didn't come easy. No, it didn't. Definitely. I've built a lot of resilience. Um, definitely. Right. And things that used to bother me and I stayed personally, I, I just, I just have better things to do than just, you yeah. know, um, being the negative. Yeah. yeah. But I think you are inspiring because I see a whole generation of people look at you saying, wow, that's a great way, like how you choose to live and how you choose to lead mm -hmm. and that legacy that you do. And, and I just, 
you know, I really want, um, and I see the success, but, yeah. but we have to be mindful that it yeah. doesn't just come. No, no. It, you have no. to keep on building right. it and we have exactly. to share the stories so that people yeah. are, are mindful of like, if I'm going to order something, where am I putting my dollars? Exactly. Right. And if you order from La Hortica, you know, you're supporting a family, you're supporting exactly. many families exactly. and helping people establish themselves exactly. and, and complete yeah. that Canadian vision. That dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite quote? Um, I think I love Rumi. Yes. Um, and it's not even a quote. It's just, it's more from like a social work perspective, but it just really resonates with me. And it's really about mindfulness and radical acceptance. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's more or less like just, um, it's called the house guest. And um, he talks about how your emotions are your house guests. And he talks about how you should let each emotion in um, like you would a house guest, anger, um, happiness, sadness, all of those, and just feel, feel them, feel them. Don't, don't block them out. And I think it is, it, it, it gives you a lot of freedom. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't, it's, it's a beautiful poem um, called the house guest by Rumi. And, and I think it's so important. I, um, especially with this restaurant, because I think this restaurant has really been a house guest for so many beautiful joyous moments, sad moments, happy moments for so much of the, so many of the patrons that come here, they celebrate wedding anniversaries and, you know, deaths, anniversaries and birthday anniversaries and, you know, newborns and, you know, 90, 90 year old, um, you know, birthdays and, you know, and it's just that it's, it's, it's held so many beautiful emotions in this place. So speaking to that mm -hmm. in terms of being a house guest and creating that space and holding space for those different emotions, if we were to have a call to action, right? Because it's more like celebrating all the many sides and many facets of you um, and the community and, and seeing that we know that, that like a lot of restaurants were hit hard during COVID, right? What can we do to support it? Right. Exactly. I see. Yeah. This. What, what's the call yeah. to action? The call what to can action you do? Definitely is the government needs to really like change the way they look at ethnic neighborhoods. Okay. You know, and they really need to kind of make them heritage communities. And with that, you know, helping us survive here because we know what it is. The rents are too high. The property taxes are too high. Uh, if you own the place, there's no incentives to stay here. It's easier going to Brampton or Markham and opening up a small little restaurant there mm -hmm. right or a clothing store and that's already been happening there's no incentive to stay in the city of toronto right um and and the call of action is the government really needs to make these heritage communities just like they spend money on heritage buildings right it's yeah. so you just made me think about something yeah. um it was recently in i saw this on my like mm -hmm. social media feed mm -hmm. that toronto was one of the most disappointing places to visit mm -hmm. and i was kind of like you know, I, I have traveled abroad. I mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did a lot of travel in, in, in many, for mm -hmm. many years. And it kind of, it, it hurts a little bit because it's my hometown, but I can also see why. Yeah. And if you think about mm -hmm. little India, mm -hmm. right, where you would be able to mm -hmm. walk down the street mm -hmm. and it would be vibrant and you'd mm -hmm. have people mm -hmm. selling corn on the yeah. street. They'd yeah. be selling pani pour, they'd be selling chai. And you just walk and they'd have sugar cane and they'd like, yeah. 
you know, like it's only doing the South Asian festival. Otherwise it's not here. Otherwise it's not here. And it's, it's very difficult because we live in an area like, and a part of this, I think comes back to how housing prices have increased. And so who can afford to live here and what are the wants and needs of those communities moving in. And we do need to make a more concerted effort. Yeah. I mean, the government has to put like, like, they, they have to allocate funds to keep these neighborhoods, you know, vibrant, right? Like we're, we're like, I'm really proud to say I'm on the BIA now. I'm on the, um, it was completely an all boys club, but I finally was able to make some inroads and I'm now on the BIA committee. And so, you know, I was really thrilled because I came up with the idea of having the uh, ice festival, South Asian ice festival. And it's actually going to be happening um, in about two weeks. Yeah. It's going to be here from the 9th to the 12th. Then yeah. we're going to have like beautiful ice sculptures of um, landmarks from the South Asian yeah. diaspora, really bringing it together, the whole community together. Um, but, you know, like the thing is we had, I think what what I'm trying to say is, is if there were communities, this would just be something that we wouldn't even have to apply for. It would just be something that would happen and there would be funding for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important message that I hope will resonate of advocacy for Mm -hmm. when you have a BIA, when like, and BIAs are meant to help business improvement, right? right? But being aware of Toronto is a multicultural city, but we're losing that in some ways. It's getting like washed out. It's washed out. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, speaking with artists, speaking with Mm -hmm. people from different ethnic communities, what used to kind of be like, oh, I'm going to go to like Chinatown. I'm going to go there. And now it's kind of like you see remnants of it. Yeah, exactly. But people can't afford to maintain it because they're like, I can't afford the rent. Exactly. Or the property taxes. Or the property taxes. Right. So what, so I think real, really what this is, is to serve as a reminder that if, if we from citizens, from a government municipal, provincial, like if you want to attract people to come to Toronto to live, work, play, to visit, that we need that diversity. We need something that sets us apart. And, you know, there's putting a lot of money into the waterfront. They care about the waterfront. That's where all the money's going right now, but nothing about the ethnic neighborhoods. And I think, you know, that's something that maybe people don't want to talk yeah. about or they're just kind of like uh you know distillery like, st lawrence market that's yeah. where all the dollars are so how do we support the ethnic communities and once again this is another important like thing you know for us to put a lens on like well the marginalized yeah. like the the minorities the yeah. you know the, the the communities which may not necessarily have the awareness, infrastructure, know-how, yeah. how to apply for grants, because yeah. it can be intimidating, yeah. right? But even like, like you know, with um, with uh, religious, um, you know, buildings, right? Like churches, synagogues, temples, they don't have to pay a property tax, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think if they not like, I think there should be some kind of like, you know, 30% leeway for if you have a business in an ethnic neighborhood, right? Be and it's an ethnic, and it is an ethnic business. You know, yeah. I think that like I, I think there would be a lots of conversations around how do you define it because I think there there would be a lot of yeah. you know like yeah. you know ways to re- think about that and and not feel like how do I what is defined as that as appropriate or not? But I think Chinatown, for instance, mm-hmm. this is one community that was hit super hard, hard even yeah. when COVID exactly. happened. And I I knew people who had businesses 
And there was a lot of racism right. that, oh, well, COVID is because of Chinese people. So we got to like yeah. do it. And it just, yeah. It, yeah. It, it was yeah. so painful yeah. because I could see in the eyes of owners yeah. who were like, how are we going yeah, to survive? Exactly. And there is a systemic issue that we yeah. have. Yeah. And even who we, who we elect into politics makes exactly. a difference. It does yeah. matter. Exactly. Um, but I think that. They're you, all just turning a blind eye. They don't care. Because they may talk the talk when they want to be voted in, but they don't really care. And that's why we need people at the table. And I think, you know, it is important to think about how do you look at maintaining communities, right? Yeah. If you don't infuse support. And I, I don't know if this is a conversation that has really been approached, been broached in as direct a way as that. But it's something to think about for if you want to create community there needs to be a fiscal. Mm-hmm. There has to be. Like, Otherwise it doesn't component. survive. Yeah. It doesn't survive. Right. Because we're talking about this is commercial space. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's like, yeah, it the survive. taxes are higher than residential. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a, it's a real, like we risk losing. Like, and yeah. I think what we have to acknowledge here is that we talk about how great it is to have little India, how great it is to have Greek town or Chinatown or, you know, Koreatown. Koreatown's not that long, right? Like, but, or even Japan, like, you know, little like Ethiopia, a Japanese community yeah. or little Ethiopia or Bangladesh, yeah, yeah. right? Like, I, I love going to these places, but you can see that they're getting smaller yeah. and smaller. Yeah, yeah. And it's I the people know. who were able to be established longer. Exactly. That I mean, I drive all the way in from Richmond Hill. So yeah. it's not even, you know, like I don't even mind the drive, right? Yeah. I don't live in the area. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's, it's being cognizant that we as Torontonians need to do more mm-hmm. and be aware. And why does it matter? Because it's what makes Toronto great. Like if we think about what makes Toronto amazing it is our diversity it is our strength but we have to infuse funds so that it we can maintain that distinctiveness yeah and i know that we're competing against healthcare and um yeah. you know education um but yeah but there may be it's i think it comes down to where there is a will there's a way yeah and it doesn't always i don't i know Healthcare is 100% important. Education is very important. These are really great, important pillars. Housing is really important. But there's a way that we can find mm-hmm. to support each other. Because mm-hmm. even when you think about having, being able to commute, c- commute safely, the roads that connect our communities, um, the establishments that make it like, hey, I'm just going to pop out and, and have like a goofy and pick up ice cream or, and let me go down and I'm going to pick up a snack or bakery food or, or something. It's like we are, it's like fabric. We are interwoven, but it's the intentionality of making sure that these spaces exist and that they're connected yeah. and that there's an investment in it. Mm-hmm. So even like, you know, on a, on a municipal level about having, um, you know, like cafes and space, where do we put those monies and how do BIAs get funding allocations to do that. So anyways, the most important, I guess what I'm saying is, is that to keep Toronto vibrant, diverse, um, and thriving is really about finding the funds to help support. Yes. Cause they're, they're, I think they're completely dying. In what way? Being what? I mean, to be able to sustain themselves in the city of Toronto. yeah. And that's why they're moving out to the burbs and they have further to. out. It's just cheaper. Yeah. 
And then that just kind of dilutes everything, right? Completely. And be- Toronto is going to be really sad 30 years from now, right? There'll be no reason to come to Toronto. Like you'll be going to the suburbs straight. It's well, already happening. Already the South Asian that. communities just gets off from the airport and then they're establishing their businesses and they're buying their houses in the suburb. Or, yeah. or Brampton yeah. or it's true. So I think Torontonians, yeah. we've got to have a wake up call <laughs> and, and how do we support it? But yeah. I think that one of the things, that, a note that I would like us to, to kind of like end on, um, which is really just the beginning, is that we need to celebrate wonderful people like you oh, who are, you. you know, fighting that fight and trying to raise the flag about mm-hmm. how do we create not only like you have created space, but how do we maintain it? And how do we engage in a way that is sustainable, right? Because yeah. it's about... And I feel like I'm a sellout because, you know, I'm having to now rent out parts the of upstairs. the restaurant. Yeah, like I have no other choice right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's real, right? And, yeah. and I think that we have to be really intentional mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the choices that we make. Yeah. And that... That's like a civic duty as well. Yeah. Right. Like it's beyond. Yes. Figure out where you're going to spend your money, your dollars count, how you yeah. spend it locally. But it is also about advocacy. It's also about yeah. like talking to your counselors, talking well, about I mean, the infrastructure. That's all been done. Right. But, but it's not. Is there, there's no political will. No, there's no political will. I know. So no. we got to get beyond that so that. No but we, we have. Will. I've got to just now it's about radical acceptance. Right. That's where I'm at right now. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm praying that I can continue the restaurant, you know, um, go ahead and, and keep this um, rented out. Yep. And then I can sustain the restaurant. But right. There's no way I can do yeah. it without renting this out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you have a story where you, yeah. you know, have that opportunity to do it. And there yeah. are a lot of other places that don't yeah, have that exactly. as an option who can't exactly. even start here. Exactly. They've got to start out yeah. in the boroughs. Exactly. And in the burbs. Yeah. And so... I think like if we were to kind of, you know, say, well, what is this about? What are we talking about? We're talking about being aware of our intentions, being aware of how we support communities. And if we actually care about it, we have to advocate and it has to be more but I than don't words. Even, I mean, there's no political will. That I, so I, how I, do we create political will? They don't care. I mean, I hate to be negative, but they don't care because if they care, they would say, hey, we really want to protect these neighborhoods. We're seeing the gentrification. We really care. Just like arts, you know, they're, you know, giving to the arts, you know, giving to. But, you know, it's 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 the whole mindset has to change. But, you know, but the ones that are getting a lot, you know, a lot of attention is a distillery and St. Lawrence Market. Right. Like, Why do you think they're getting more? Well, you know, I mean, because it's not ethnic. That's, I think that's yeah. really insightful. Yeah. Pluralis- mm-hmm. Pluralism. Now I'm like, now Pluralism. it's like a tongue twister. But yeah. Like we want to be able to see the carrots, see the cucumbers, see the tomatoes. We totally do. it's wholesome and it's whole, right? But it's more about multiculturalism. And not whitewash the, like a chai yeah, latte. Exactly, exactly. And then it's the saris and samosas, right? Once, um, once in a year on Gerard Street, right? So. Yeah, we have to It has that. to integrate into the fabric, right? But it's. It's not there. Well, that's a that that is a calling that yeah. we need to wake yeah. up to yeah. and not feel like we. Yeah, I will say that I have found so many Asian people who have grown up here in Canada. Well, I'm Canadian. And I'm like, no, like people like my father 
chose to give me a Chinese name because he's like, yeah. no matter what, when people look at you, mm-hmm. they're not going to see a Karen exactly. or like a, yeah. a yeah. Stephanie or whatever. Yeah. They're going to see a Chinese person and, yeah. and just own it. Yeah. Exactly. And I was on a call with a conversation with yeah. a cousin and he was like, what's your name? I'm like, it's Lee. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? You have a Chinese name? I am Chinese. Yeah. Of course I have I a Chinese, Chinese name. Yeah. And so I think we have to be in, we have to understand that, um, you know, like we have to see ourselves for who we are and not exactly. what we think exactly. other people see us exactly. and lifting the veil on yeah. that yeah. is important. Yeah. And I think it's not the most beautiful, like, Oh, we all feel so good about this. It's actually about, we've got a problem, mm-hmm. but who, who is in power that is making those, dis- they who, don't care, you know, they don't care. making those decisions. And so how do yeah, we get people are. to care? Yeah. It's votes, they vote someone who, you believe in that makes care. And then it comes down to voter apathy, but exactly, you know, and I appreciate you taking your time because it just reminds me about how important it is. Representation matters. matters. Voting matters. Completely. And when people are like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It a hundred percent matters. Yeah. So call to action. Vote. <laughs> do That's something. It. That's it. Thank you so thank much you. for the time. No, thank you. Thank you for the space. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah.